down in Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine, drinking that mess is their delight. When he gets around, start singing all night, drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Mason Joseph, joined as always by... Jacob Lindsay. Yeah. All right. So those those of you who don't know, that's the second time I've done the intro for the show. That's right, yeah. I think, I think maybe... Early on, I think you did it once or twice, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think in I think one of those episodes it hasn't been released. Oh, that's so. po- that's very possible. I, I've got several still in the in the chamber to be released. I was going to say the can, but I think the chamber's even better. So, <laughs> All right, Jake, what are you drinking tonight on this episode of shortness and delayed tactics? All right. Well, uh, this week I, I chose a an Italian wine. So. For mm-hmm. those of you who who listen regularly, you know that Total Wine had this pretty good sale where you could get 20% off if you bought six bottles of European wine. Um, and so I ended up buying six bottles, but then they sent me the same coupon another week later. And so I was like, well, I gotta go get, I gotta go get six more, right? So, cause it's 20, it's, it's 20% off. So what, how am I so, not gonna so do that? For the, for those who don't know, Jacob and I, Cannot resist a deal. Yeah, exactly. I can't resist a deal. So this particular wine is 13.5% alcohol by volume. It's normally priced at $20. So at 20% off, it's $16, um, which is a pretty good deal. Uh, the name of the wine, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it because it's an Italian wine. It's uh, Leon de Oro Vino Nobli di Monte Publicano. So I know that's something the noble of... Like a certain region, I yeah. think. I'm not sure, but what's interesting about this wine, and and it was highly recommended by the dude who works at Total Wine. I'm not sure <laughs> if he's a sommelier or not, but he was like, I, I like this one a lot, and it's and it's inexpensive, and I was like, oh, that's what I'm looking for, <laughs> and uh, and it's it's done in collab. So it's an Italian wine, and it's made in Italy, but it's done mm-hmm. in collaboration with a fraternal organization here in the United States called um, the Sons of Italy. Um, or it's a order of order of the sons of it, of Italy or something like that. And um, I put it in quotes in the notes, but when, later on when I was looking it up, they had a different name. So I was like, I don't know which one's the correct one. But on the back <laughs> of the bottle, it says the Sons of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this uh, organization actually has an interesting history. They were founded in in 1905 as a way to try to help integrate uh, Italian immigrants into American society and culture. So it helped teach them like how to speak English, how to do business in America, um, that type of thing. And also there was a lot of prejudice back then against Italians. And so mm-hmm. it was just a good way for them to get together. They were under a lot of criticism in the 1930s and 40s because they were very big supporters of Mussolini. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, both in World War One and World War Two, there was a very large contingent of the American public who were interested in siding with the Axis. Very large number of German immigrants here. Very large number of Italian immigrants here. Um, there were some Japanese. So, like, you know, they put all those Japanese in internment camps. Only on the West Coast. On the West but, Coast. But for yeah. for a reason, but the reason wasn't necessarily very good. But there were Japanese sympathizers. <laughs> so there there was there was some of that going on. And even in, and in World War One, this was more so than World War Two. there was a question on whether or not the United States would come in on the side of the Axis or on the Allies. Mm-hmm. Um and you can learn more about that, I guess, from 
Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Oh yes, very good. Yeah, so this uh, this wine was very very interesting. So this is the first wine that I've had where it had in the smell like when you first pour it, there is a smell of maple bacon, huh. um, and a little bit of tobacco, and mixed with red fruit, the typical wine flavors, uh, the mm-hmm. typical red wine, red fruit. Um, mm-hmm. After it sits for a while, the the maple bacony smell kind of goes away. It's less meaty, and it becomes kind of more of a standard red wine. Uh, the flavor, if you drink it right away, again, it does have kind of a strong flavor of maple bacon, but after a while, it kind of mellows out. It has very, very soft tannins. It does have kind of a meaty, like a meatiness to it, but it's mm-hmm. not as meaty as when you when it's not been sitting for a while, And uh, but a very strong dark red fruit flavor. Um, for the money, I think this is a very good buy, especially at 20% off. Uh, well, what was the money before the 20 $20. So before the so twenty percent off, it made it sixteen dollars or no um, eighteen no 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 ten percent would be of twenty would be two dollars so twenty percent would be four dollars so it'd be sixteen oh you're you're right yeah <laughs> yet again Mason's math yeah. destroyed okay yeah <laughs> so um, yeah so sixteen dollars and um, one thing that's interesting so I'll, I'll share this with you Mason I don't remember if I shared this with you both times I went to go get this deal. At Total Wine, they had no idea how to use the coupon, <laughs> and like I, I gave like the first time it was on my phone, so I was like, okay, maybe they were just confused because it was on my phone. So I printed it out the second time, and mm-hmm. I gave it to them, and they were like, I don't know how to add because because I'm a, a quote you know a quote unquote reserve member or whatever, so I get ten percent mm-hmm. a ten percent off when I buy six bottles of wine. Um, mm-hmm. So for those of you, if you buy 5,000 5, points worth of wine at Total Wine, you become a reserve member if you're part of their club. But Which I think is $500. I think that's how yeah, it works. Yeah, I think it's $500. I think it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I achieved that last year. And then in order to, I guess, continue that, I have to get to that point again. But anyways, so you ought, so I rang up the six bottles and then Victoria bought this uh amaretto cream liqueur and they were ringing it up and they were like i, I don't know how to i don't know how to do 20 percent off on the wines that qualify and i was like it, it's these six wines and the amaretto doesn't count so i don't get any discount on the amaretto which is already showing so you just add 10 percent to each of these and 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 so they did that and i was like well no it's not 10 percent of the discount it's 10 percent of the total of the original price like and i said it's not that much but it ends up equating to like a dollar fifty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know it equates to a dollar fifty? Like, because I know how to do math. I'm not retarded. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> no offense to the people at Total Wine. Right. No. Yeah. No offense. I'm not to them. working the cash register at Total Wine. Right. So like I'm like you don't need to put the numbers in. You just just you can do twenty percent. You just move the decimal over one, mm-hmm. and then you double that, and that's twenty percent off. And yeah. and she was like, I got to go get my manager. I, I was like, all right. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with this. I just want make to make sure that I get twenty percent off. I don't want ten percent off of the already reduced price. I want twenty percent off. <laughs> total price <laughs> and the manager came over and he did the same mistake and i was like look i understand it's a little bit confusing because you guys aren't used to this coupon and i don't know why your machine's not taking it but when you when you put an additional 10 percent off of the discounted price then it's like look, look yeah. guys i get 30 percent off just right well finally finally the guy was because I, I bought the Amaretto, and I think I had also some more wine saver, uh, vacuum saver things, mm-hmm. and because I wanted to be able to open four bottles of wine, and uh, <laughs> and so he was like, "I'm just going to give you an additional ten percent off everything." Will, will that work? 
And I was like, uh, I'd have to do the math, but I, I don't really want to stand in line anymore. So that's fine. <laughs> and then I did the math in the car and it ended up being like 40 cents more. So I was like, ha I got the deal. <laughs> but, uh, cause you don't value your own time. <laughs> exactly. I don't value my own time, but, uh, and, and it only ended up taking, it was only like a five minute exchange really. But yeah, it, but I, I, I was I'm, like, how I'm sure that I'm sure they got you out of there very quick. They, they did. They did. And, and they, and, every, every interaction I've had at total wine has been very nice. Yeah. They're, they're actually really great. So, but this wine, I think if you guys, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a shortage of it and it does seem like it is one of the ones that they promote for Italian wines. So mm-hmm. um, if you have an opportunity, oh, I didn't say the the type of grape it was. It's it's 90% Sangvenese and mm. 10%, oh man, I'm going to have to look it up because I don't remember now what the other That's one fine. was, but uh, it was 90% Sangvenese and 10% something else. And here's the thing, here's the thing, folks. Jacob will put it in the show notes. I, yeah, I oh. will. I'll put it in the show notes. So tastinganarchy.com mm-hmm. and then, you know, hopefully we managed to post the show notes on this so well it'll it'll i'm gonna do my best to get the uh podbean to be posting on the blog from now on Um, jacob here's here's my promise to you you and i will figure this out by the end of february yes yeah so if it costs money i'll pay for it (laughs) it won't cost i don't think it'll cost money i think i just have i'm just saying if it does we'll get it done right don't worry (laughs) but if if it's not on the website you got and we and you guys really want to know, you can always go to Podbean and search for Tasting Anarchy, and it'll be in the show notes on the episode on Podbean. Well, here's an even better way to do it. You can reach out to Jacob on Twitter at tastinganarchy at twitter.com, or you can email the show, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. Or if you really want to make it like super meta, you can message Birdarchy or Card Campit and ask them to ask us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and very they meta. are the Friends Against Government also known as the fags. Yeah. And if you really wanted to get meta, you could reach out to Nikki P with sounds like Liberty and ask him to ask us. Right. There we go. <laughs> or ask, <laughs> ask him to ask bird to ask us <laughs> to ask me. And right. I have no idea how to contact. Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mason, that kind of covers my wine. I, I think it's very drinkable. If you guys were to eat this with pizza or just cheese or any, any sort of, you know, kind of hearty foods, um, well, I don't think you could go wrong with it. Well, I don't think we're done yet with so, this wine. Yeah. So how? So you, you know, soft tannins kind of has a. It, I thought at one point you said meaty, but I think it was meaty, like with like, no, tea, like, like no, meat. like yeah. yeah, like meat, like a steak, meaty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the color like on that? It's a very now. One of the cool things about Sangvenise is um, it does have a very very dark skin. And so for those of you who are new to wine or, or just don't know this in general, um, one of the things about red wines is that very often the color doesn't come from the inside of the grape. It comes from the fact that uh, the grape is allowed to ferment with the skins. Yes. And they're, they're usually pressed and fermented with the skins. Yes. And this is what imparts the tannicness to it. So a, a tannic note um, or a tannic uh, texture to wine is that texture that you have when you like drink a very strong cup of black tea and your mouth is uh, smacky. It's very dry feeling. It It's, it's well, sticky. Yeah, you you can experience this personally by taking a red grape and peeling it. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. The flesh of a red grape is very like sweet and grapey, but it like you if you eat the skin by itself in a green grape sometimes too, they're yeah. they're it's a different flavor and you kind of realize like when you eat them together it's like oh no that's what I assume with grapes. It's like no, that's the skin. Mm-hmm. Like most of that flavor is the skin. 
Yeah. Well, and, and in this case, uh, Sanguinese, so <clears throat> it has a darker inside, but I believe it's still a uh, kind of mm-hmm. a white fleshy color. There are some grapes that have a, a black fleshy color, mm-hmm. but um, and those are like ink black wines. But this, yeah. this particular wine, it has like a really nice... Um, it's very, very dark, and then along the edges, it's kind of a, a dark leather color. So mm-hmm. it's um, very pleasant looking. The aroma, yeah. as I mentioned, very pleasant aroma. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been sitting out now for uh, uh, quite a while, it's uh, still – it doesn't have that bacony smell anymore. It's not as meaty, but it does still have that like very pleasant red wine, dark red fruit like plum, mm-hmm. um, like plum, maybe overripe. Red, dark red cherries, um, that kind of that kind mm-hmm. of smell to it. It still, it also has that sort of flavor to it. But the high tannins, the high acidity, um, and that over fruitiness, it's something that I think goes very well with like pizza or mm-hmm. hamburgers or you know basic kind of like quintessential Americana type food. That it's it's heavier, it's greasier, it's more. Uh, it's kind of like the food would coat your tongue, and the yeah. tannins will will help release that exactly coating. exactly mm-hmm. yeah so i actually was eating this earlier with chips and salsa um oh. not not the worst combination ever not really specifically a great one but it was a very spicy salsa so i thought it, mm-hmm. i thought that with the with the thick kind of umami of the tomatoes and mushroom because it was this it was that kind of salsa where it was like mushrooms mm-hmm. are chopped up in there also so it was like uh, the umami flavor from the this is very foody, I guess, but like from the, from the tomatoes, it's kind of it has a, a little bit of savoriness, the savoriness from the mushrooms, and then like there, it was a special type of salsa that has caramelized onions also. So mm-hmm. really good salsa. You can get it at Kroger. It's uh, and then uh, the saltiness from the chips, and then along with this, so you you're eating something spicy, then you drink this, and that kind of tanniness and the acidity kind of strips that down. So you're mm-hmm. eating a spicy chip, you drink a glass, and it's like every time you're clean, kind of. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a really great combination. Very, pa- very palate cleansing. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, and I can see how like with like a a heavier, fattier, mm-hmm. like cut of meat, like a like a the a steak, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. the we used to get at men's nights where they would be kind of you know more fatty. Yeah, where that might not be as good because it it strips too much of the the carryover. Whereas like yeah. a cabernet. Um, may linger with it. So, yeah. 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 yeah it's so, very good. I, I like it a lot. So, uh, so I think I that's have, the conclusion. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the conclusion yeah. of the wine. What are you drinking, Mason? So as a throwback to some of our, our, our newest segment on the show, um, the monthly beer recap with Jury, mm-hmm. I'm drinking what Can is... Can I pause you real quick? Sure. You always pronounce Jury's name Jury, like, like a jury for court. Yes, it, I do. I do. But I do it. My, my cousin has the same name. Yeah. It's Jory. And, Jory, but yeah. as in like Marjorie. Mm-hmm. So her, and, and her, yeah. here's the thing. I always mess that up. So, I know. I, I, like, I noticed that you did it last time and I was like, well, I don't really care if he messes it up and I don't think she cares either, but I wasn't sure if you didn't know. But I, I, I do care. I didn't know I was doing it, but okay. when you say it, I knew immediately I always do it and I mess it up with my own cousin's name. Okay. So all right, all right. Jory, um, who is our beer correspondent, which is funny given that both you and I, um, I wouldn't say we outstripped. Your sister in beers? Well, you with beers I, consumed? 
Well, you and I have very, very different taste than her. Actually, you probably have a closer, closer taste like palate for beer than I do. Well, your um, sister likes the Europeans, so she's yeah. very close to those soap pops, which neither one of us really. Yeah, like. yeah, neither one of us really likes it, which so, is interesting. But yeah, I, I so, just I, I thought that was interesting. But she does; she gets a lot of samples now, so she may have mm-hmm. a a wider sampling than we do. But I don't know if she mm-hmm. has as much drinking as we have. But, but yeah, who knows? And, and and that's the thing is like I I did a lot of sampling at Grape and Gourmet where like mm-hmm. I would just buy unless I knew specifically I wouldn't care for it. So okay. I am drinking my all-time favorite beer. This yep. is a beer that when I saw it in Total Wine, I you know, you and I ask favors of each other as in like, hey, can you give me a ride to the airport on your way to work? Yep. You know, kind of those those sort of things. This was a literally like, hey, this is out of your way going home. Can you go get me this? Because they yeah. won't sell me another one of this. So I'm drinking a beer I found over 10 years ago. Now, this beer has not been aged 10 years, but I've been aging this beer for almost actually before you left, oh, quite possibly okay. before you left Virginia. Oh, so, so so it might still be one of the ones I bought you? Quite possibly. Wow. Quite possibly. Because I, I ended up buying a year's worth and I'm drinking one per month. Okay. Um, so- this is Dogfish Head, Dogfish Head, which is a Delaware-based brewery, 120-minute um, IPA. So this is an IPA that they con- continuously hopped for 120 minutes. So for those of you who have access to Dogfish Head, if you've seen the 60 or the 90-minute, this is the one that goes beyond. So the 60-minute is a standard IPA, which is an Indian pale or India pale ale. I so here's another thing I do a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's India pale ale, not Indian pale ale. There's no N huh. on the the pa- India part. I, I, so, I you know I bet you you and I probably talked about that before, but I don't. I think I always say Indian pale ale. No, 100% honest. I don't think we've ever talked about that. Oh, before. maybe okay. I make that mistake continuously. So India pale ale. So they have the 60 minute, which is a standard, you know, standard IPA. Then they have the double, which is the 90 minute. Well, the triple is the 120 minute. So um, Founders, which makes my second favorite beer, which is Breakfast Stout, Mm -hmm. used to do Devil Dancer, which is a triple IPA. And then in Virginia Beach, Reaver Beach Brewing, and I'm drinking this out of a beach brewing glass, which was the original name of the company. Yep. They do a, the Kraken, which is a triple IPA. But they cap both of those companies, Founders and Reaver Beach, cap it at 10% alcohol. Dogfish Head does not cap the alcohol percentage in the 120 minute. And in fact, it was illegal in Virginia for a while because it could range. And on their website, they say it does range from 15 to 20% alcohol. So it's a 12 ounce bottle that could be 20% alcohol. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a, and you've had it before, Jacob, and I, I have. do not care for no, it. No, it's not my it favorite, is a, no. Yeah, it is a highly alcoholic and highly bitter and acidic, and bitter for me and acidic kind of go along to each other, mm-hmm. beer. It It is, and I hate to say it this way, if you've ever been hyper dehydrated, that's the color, you know, your urine color, that's the color of this beer. Yeah. It is very floral. It is like... IPA on just insanity. So this beer at Total Wine, when you can find it, usually is $10 a bottle. They sell it in four packs, so it's about 40 bucks. So, you know, I did a little math, 12-ounce bottle, so 750 milliliters, standard bottle of wine. Usually, 
that's about 25 ounces. So this is like half the size, <laughs> half the volume yeah. for about, you know, if like you did the math, this is like a 30 something dollar bottle of wine beer, as you'd yeah. say. So your sister was talking about the Duchess de Borg is how I pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And I think your sister's pronouncing it much more correctly than I do, which is a Flemish red. Oh, yeah, yeah, she likes that. Yeah, it's a it's a very good beer. That one's comes in about ten percent usually, and maybe it's a little less than that. That was the closest beer that I could find to 120 minute when I first had 120 minute because oh, Grape wow. and Gourmet had 120 minute, and they were selling it less than ten dollars a bottle at the time, ten plus years ago. Wow. Okay. Bought one, and I was like, "This is amazing! How do I get another one?" They're like, "You'll never see another one." And then you know, somehow, ten years years later. Every time I found this, I bought it and found it at Kroger, which was crazy. Found it at Total Wine. But this is my absolute favorite beer, Mm -hmm. but it is super alcoholic. The last time I got not sick from drinking, but was just kind of like, I don't know if I want to drink anymore. I had two of these. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I finished one and I was like, hey, Ashley, my wife, put another one in the, put another one in this glass. And I drank it warm, which. Yeah. This is a beer that's it. This beer, because it's so oily, almost in the you know. I mean, you've had it, Jacob, so it's yeah, kind of hard yeah. to describe. But it is hard to describe. Yeah. yeah, like most IPAs, you really can't get them. Like if you could freeze an IPA, like that would almost be too cold. But the point where like it would burn your tongue, being because you know they usually have a higher alcohol content, so mm-hmm. usually harder to freeze and kind of would hurt you if you got them cold enough. Right. This is one of those beers that like when it warm, like when you have it cold, it has a specific flavor. When you have it mildly warm, it has a specific flavor. When you have it warm, just straight from the house warm, like most wines should be roughly served. It has a specific flavor and it's always kind of a variance in between those. Mm-hmm. But that other time I had like two and I was just like, nope, yeah. I, I have made a terrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I remember. I but think- yeah, this is, yeah. And what's, uh-huh. what's super funny about this beer is it has a very plain label. It's just got kind of like a like a hop kind of on it, and it's a plain background. But it has a neon green cap that I've always loved. So yeah. Now, real quick, the reason I'm drinking a beer tonight is Jacob and I thought we were going to have a guest on tonight. Ended up not working out. Hopefully, we'll have her on, and you know, maybe next week, and then you guys will see the magic behind the show as we post them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to introduce the wine series that I got for my birthday um, before that. So I'm drinking 120 minute, which I've managed to ramble on for like 10 <laughs> minutes on. But uh, I well, love. I, I'll, so. I'll, I'm going to continue the ramble on because yes. I don't. I don't remember the, if you recall the first time I had this because you had mm-hmm. the, you had this without me. Quite a few times, yeah. yeah. And then you brought it to um, who we lovingly call Weird Nate. Um, mm-hmm. Not Nate Classic, who's been on the show, but the other Nate, who was also my roommate. Um, we brought it to his birthday. And we also got him like a mm-hmm. a sorg a sorghum organic beer or something like that. Yeah, because he because he was really had... into organic sorghum stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember you brought this for you and me. Mm-hmm. And I opened one, and you opened one, and I took a sip, and I was like, I don't think I can drink this. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, you're like, it's really good. And I was like, I- I'm going to try, but I really don't like it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I think I had like two or three sips of it and I was like, I, I just can't drink it. And you were still nursing yours. So you were like, I think you should probably pour it out even though it's expensive because I don't think I can drink two, but yeah. I like it so I, much that I would drink two. <laughs> yeah. And this was, 
And it's funny because I had forgotten that story. I yeah. thought you were going to tell the story of Matt buying you a four pack of this. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I, f- I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he bought, bought yeah. me a four pack and I was like, that's so nice of you. It's so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and t- to me, it seems like, you know, it, it's almost like uh, if you didn't know you didn't like sushi. Mm-hmm. Or you had just found out, like, somehow I had just dragged you to sushi and somehow convinced you to eat raw fish. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like your third or fourth date with your wife. And she's like, oh, you're going to love sushi. This is going to be the best. And you're just like, I care for you so much, but this is the worst thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. put in my mouth. <laughs> we actually, we, we went to sushi today and we were having that conversation because we have, we go to sushi almost every week. And mm-hmm. I, I really don't like sushi. And uh, I so I always get, like, yucky udon or some mm-hmm. sort of teriyaki or surf fry or something like that. And she got um, some sort of like salmon, like salmon tartare. Mm-hmm. And so I actually do like raw salmon. The, the, the thing that I've discovered that I don't like about sushi is the seaweed. So I'm actually okay with most, huh. most of the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the seaweed that I can't, I, I, it's too strong of a flavor and I just don't like the flavor, but you might like sashimi then, which is just the well, rice and, and yeah. fish. And, and I occasionally will eat that. What The thing mm-hmm. that irritates me about sashimi is that I always have to ask them, do you have that tiny piece of seaweed that ties it together or is it really sashimi where it's just the piece of fish and rice? And if it's got the tiny piece of seaweed, I'm like, I don't want it. And yeah, because it, it, the seaweed can definitely taint things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she had this this uh, salmon tartare and I had like three or four pieces of the tartare because it was done in like chunks instead of minced and mm-hmm. um, I was like, this is actually really good. I, I, I would order this as my own dish. And except for it had, um, you know how I, on the fish eggs, I only like the orange fish eggs. I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't like the green fish eggs and I don't like the red fish eggs. So um, I know those exist. I'm not familiar with it. Oh, so this, this one on top was garnished with green, uh, orange and red. So I ate some of the orange ones, but I didn't want the red or the green. And so, mm-hmm. and then I ate like underneath some of the salmon tartare. <laughs> so it's like it's very, very picky when it comes to fish stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, it was very funny to me because she, she just, she loves it so much and she'll eat it and she's just like, Oh my gosh, it's so good. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah. But, and that's what, that's what I was always so funny to me is like, and you know, maybe it's like an Eastern European thing where it's not that Eastern Europe doesn't have access to fish. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do Black Sea and, and those yeah. kind of areas. But, like, you know, you grew up in Central California, which really isn't far from the coast. No, like, it's not. Ge- geographically, you know, maybe produce-wise, or not produce-wise, but, like, food yeah. production-wise, it could be. And, you know, I grew up in Hampton Roads, which huge fish, mm-hmm. you know, availability. And, like, you know, I really enjoy fish. And, actually, my wife is from the Central Valley in California, loves fish. Yeah, fresh and, you know, um, salt. And then like you were just like, nope. <laughs> well, you know, my mom, my mom has actually talked about this a little bit. Um, not mm-hmm. on the show, but in, in general is my sisters actually like it, but, um, she never cooked fish cause she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was also expensive because even though we were, we, we were two or three hours away from the ocean, this actually really show, goes to show you how much trade has changed in our lifetimes mm-hmm. is, is getting fresh fish from the Bay Area to El Dorado Hills in California used to be, even when I was a kid, was not a cheap thing. So, well, so fresh like, fish was expensive. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it economically doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, it doesn't. El Dorado Hills had a very low population mm-hmm. compared to Stockton yeah. or the 
goodness, Sacramento, which, yeah, you yeah. know, Sacks, you know, was it an hour at most? Well, I mean, like, uh, the, the graduating class of my high school was only three thousand, was only, um, 1,000 people smaller than my town was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does make sense. And now, granted, there was larger towns not too far away, but. Yeah, but, but like, that's the thing yeah. is, like, it, it's different when you're talking about Suffolk. Yeah. Compared to. Hampton Roads. Right, right, exactly. You know, it's an hour on flat land at most. Your Eldorado Hills is in the hills. Like right. I haven't been there, but like those those small communities, you really have to yeah. have that commitment of order. Yeah, yeah. To you, get it, you, really you know, do. like I totally understand. And even then, like you know, it's not like that. Like I don't make you know, you and I both. We it's not like we don't make you know. We're not working at McDonald's. Right. <laughs> we, we do okay in life. Yeah. I still look at fish prices and I go. Nope, not getting fish. Like, yeah. and I love fish and like, I'll eat, you know, oh, it makes good fish. Like I, you know, every day fish dish my wife's ever made, I've enjoyed very much, but like, I'm just looking at fish and I'm like, yeah, not for that price. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, and, I've been buying Victoria fresh salmon lately cause she, mm-hmm. she just likes it. But, um, you can get half a pound of salmon for like six or $7 if it's on sale. And it's well, and, and that's not, pretty good, but not here. And I hate salmon. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So she she likes fresh salmon a lot, and we can get yeah. it here. But it's usually Atlantic, like Atlantic mm-hmm. salmon, which is probably farm raised, and um, well, which is better than Pacific. A lot yeah. of the Pacific ones. So she she likes the Atlantic salmon better, and I guess supposedly there's less like heavy metals and stuff like. I, I don't. I really don't know, but um, less parasites is, oh, is one of the is? other things too. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. But yeah. So. I mean, on the fish talk or whatever, it's just interesting when I, when I, like I've been rewatching X-Files lately when I'm at the gym. So <laughs> like, it's interesting to see like just when you and I were kids, how different the world was compared to now. Oh, like I, I look at my daughter and, and you know, she's two and a half and I think like how different the world's going to be mm-hmm. like, and you know, just not, not to be egotistical about it, but like how different our children are going to be provided for Oh yeah, by just those advantages our parents gave us and like how different, you know, like how different is the world when like, how different is David Duchovny's life, you know, making X-Files money back when the X-Files was big, big yeah, compared to now, you know, like that, that's the type of measure I'd like to see. Like how different is Bill Gates life? You know, cause they, people talk about like, uh, uh, John D Rockefeller and you know, those guys where it's like, they didn't have indoor plumbing. Right. And, you know, some of the poorest people in the world have indoor plumbing or can experience indoor plumbing. You know, like they could, you know, like the poorest people in Mumbai can go to the Mumbai malls and crap in indoor plumbing. Right. Well, John actually, D. Rockefeller yeah. couldn't get to it. Right. He's the richest guy in the world. Well, and, <laughs> like, and things that like the John D. Rockefeller could have died from where it's now, it's just every, the poorest person can go to a free clinic or can go to the emergency room and just be like, you know, not on my dime and get antibiotics or whatever. And antibiotics mm-hmm. didn't even exist back then. So. Exactly. And, and that's the, you know, like that's kind of the, the craziness of it is like, I mean, if you want to think about it, truly you and I are talking and we're what, 1,500 plus miles away? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to get a $1,000 bill from this. Right. Like, this is not going to cost us any money. Well, that's, than- that's interesting because speaking of long-distance calls, Victoria and I have been listening to, to this book about um, – basically, it's, it's about persuasion. And mm-hmm. one of the examples they give in there is um, – the what's the guy's name who flew across the Atlantic Ocean? The first, the Lindbergh. first Lindbergh. 
So mm-hmm. it was about how he convinced people to give him the money to buy the plane to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And so part of his uh, his like convincing them was to set up a long distance phone call, which back then was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And and I, and just when I was listening to that, I was like, huh, that's really interesting because. You and I can talk across the country for free in a conference call if we want and with multiple people who are in, in multiple parts of the world for hours for nothing, yeah. for, for free. and In every day continuously. Yeah. And, it, and it's not bad quality. You know, so one of the things that like really dates movies is when they, you know, people are talking about your long distance service. Yeah. Do you remember when your long distance service was different than your household phone provider? I do. I because we used to call Ronnie Sue, and mm-hmm. um, who I told if you guys go back to the Halloween episode, you'll mm-hmm. you'll know mm-hmm. the story of uh, coming back from Ronnie Sue's two house. Two good episodes, yeah. Two, yeah. Like she's come up multiple times. Yeah, but there was a. It was it cost us money to call Ronnie Sue. And so we mm-hmm. would, we would all, we would try to call her and keep it like down to like five minutes. So, <laughs> so we would call her and be like, Hey, we're going to come up. And she'd be like, Oh great. What time are you going to come up? We're going to come up on this time. Okay. I'll great. I'll see you then. And then that was it because it, it cost so much money. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was, I think it was like a dollar a minute or something. It was back when a dollar meant something. Yeah. When a dollar meant something. Exactly. <laughs> like now, nowadays it's like whatever, but we would always be very conscious of the area code. Actually, if you go way, way back, I remember a time when we didn't have area codes and then they, and then they instituted them and we would get that sort of like, do, do, do the area co- or the phone number you're trying to dial is not in this area code. Please hang up and press one in the area code. And huh. I, I remember when they started instituting that in my area in California, cause it used to be that you just, you just called a number and it just kind of knew mm-hmm. and, and it was always a seven digit number. And then later on, we started had to, when we called Ronnie Sue, we'd have to dial 530 mm-hmm. and, and then whatever her number was. I, I don't recall the whole number, but then we, and, and at the <laughs> time, did, that'd be crazy. Yeah. But it was, but I remember her area code was 530 because ours was 916. And, mm-hmm. um, and we started having to put in her area code and, and my mom was explaining it to us. They were like, yeah, they're doing this new thing where you have to put the area code in. You can't just dial the number straight. And because she would always let us call. Ronnie Sue when she was going to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was long distance. It was always long distance. It was, um, even though she, you know, didn't live that far away, but yeah, uh, but yeah, long distance used to be just, you know, an hour away. That was long distance. Yeah. And he, so here's the two things there. I don't remember, like, I think long, the area code was always a thing in Hampton roads that I remember, Okay, but I remember when our area code changed to the seven, five, seven. Oh, really? Okay. We used to have like, I forget what it was, but we had something like that. But so you were saying you guys were nine one six. Did you know the Raleigh area code is nine one nine? Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, like it's always it's always interesting to me. Like, it, you know, this is one of those things where I don't know if it's a government bureaucrat who came up with this or if it's like the phone companies just came up with this on their own. But I always wondered about like you know why the area codes weren't sequential in area. And as you get older, you're kind of like, well, yeah, it makes sense that like. They, they differ so there isn't as many crossing, you know, so like the 919 is right next to the 563 or something like that. So it's a clear distinction. Okay, so but, I, I just looked it up because it's really yeah. it's really funny. So mm-hmm. if you look at the map for the 916 area code, mm-hmm. it, it's basically just like Sacramento and like a little bit of 
the area around it. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the 530 area code, it's like all of Northern California besides <laughs> besides where I lived. <laughs> I was going to say it's like half of California. <laughs> yeah, it, it's huge. It is a huge mm-hmm. area. It's crazy. Because, what but I mean, it? it's like the population in Northern California, it's all centered around Sacramento. And then when you get out of there, it's like Nothing. a couple hundred thousand people. Yeah, it's not that much. Yeah. Well, it's like the 757. Yeah. Like, you know, that's Williamsburg to most of the Eastern Shore to the core of Hampton Roads. Yeah. Like, it's huge. But so we haven't called people to here to uh, listen to our antics. So, um, <laughs> rambling to, about area codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we, Kevin hit- Smith? <laughs> <laughs> So to give a historical perspective, um, today is the day of the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So Jacob, did you know I was born on the Super Bowl? Oh, I had no idea. No. Yeah. So back in 1987, for those of you who were born in the 90s, F you. No. (laughs) Uh, We appreciate all listeners despite their age handicaps. No, again. (laughs) But um, so back before the Houston uh, Texans joined the league, they, you know, the Super Bowls would happen in January. Uh, oh, okay. When they added the Texans, they had to basically add another full week to the season, kind of how the math works out. So that's why you have February Super Bowls. Okay. So it's the Super Bowl week. Now, competing in the Super Bowl are the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. So one of the things that many people know, but many people don't seem to freaking get is that most stadiums for professional athletes in the United States are paid for by the cities or municipalities that host the stadiums, mm-hmm. like through bonds and other things like that. And these things are, you know, like the, the Jerry Jones one in the Dallas, uh, Dallas Cowboys one used to be the most expensive stadium ever at like a billion dollars or something like that. And, you know, that wasn't built as far as I know with private money. And then, so Los Angeles, who's been playing at the Rose Bowl, as well as the San Diego Chargers, who have moved up to become the Los Angeles Chargers, mm-hmm. have, you know, they play at like the Rose Bowl, which is like a 40 year old stadium, but it holds an insane amount of people. It's very, very large. Very old stadium, but a very pretty stadium. And, you know, it's Southern California and basically you can play all year long. It really doesn't get that cold by comparison to pretty much anywhere else in the country. Yeah. But the Los Angeles Rams owner is building a new stadium that's $5 billion, but it's a very large complex and it's a, you know, gonna have office space and everything like that. But he's doing it with no funds directly from the municipality that the stadium is located in or the state of California or Los Angeles County, any of that. Mm-hmm. It's all private, which is very rare for these stadiums. And one of the funny things about it is an article on fee. And, you know, Jacob and I discussed this a little bit before the show that fee kind of has a weird thing where like articles seem to post and then disappear after a while. I had to Google to find this one, even though I literally just read it this afternoon where they were talking about the stadium and like, you know, they <laughs> fee because we're anarchists. So, you know, they were talking about, well, blah, blah, blah. Well, there is some money that is going to for the tax, the sales tax that's going to happen inside of the stadium yeah. is somehow going to go back to the owners to cover some of their costs. It's like, yeah, it should. <laughs> like there, right. there should be no sales tax. Like, But what's very funny is like, uh, so what's really interesting about this is the San, um, the Chargers are going to rent the stadium for $1 a year. But that means instead of having 12 
or something like that home games a year at the stadium, they're going to have 24, which is exceedingly rare for stadiums because most NFL teams don't have a sister team in the city. And most of the time, like they don't split the cost of the stadium with anyone else. In fact, last year's game was played in Minnesota. In Minnesota, they sued the professional soccer league mm-hmm. and to stop the city from allowing a professional soccer team to play in there in the season when football wasn't happening. Huh, okay. And this people of uh, Minnesota had to pay for another stadium for professional soccer. Now, I don't know about you. I would understand professional soccer being very important in Los Angeles or maybe even Texas where, you know, high Hispanic or Latin American and South American country migrants mm-hmm. who would attend the games. I don't know if that Minnesota stadium's ever full yeah. <laughs> for that professional soccer team. Well, I mean, th- this is, this happens quite a bit and actually local to you, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of issues with the scope mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, they have a very difficult time filling it any time that hockey is not going on and also filling it when hockey is going on <laughs> because it even though like I'm a big fan of the admirals as you know um, mm-hmm. there is there's just not a lot of demand for m- very minor league hockey um, no and, and that's the thing is like the scope isn't even like over 20,000 people no, it, it, and it's actually it's not. Yeah, it's not a big stadium. It is actually a very modern stadium though, because they had to refit it um, in order for the uh, AHL team to come play there, and then they lost the AHL team, and now they're back to ECHL, which is mm-hmm. two tiers below NHL hockey. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a very similar problem. They're always trying to figure out what to do with it because it they can like put boards over the ice and they can. And make it kind of like a convention center area, but it's just not really conducive to a convention center. It's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a weird building. And uh, for ice hockey, it just happens to be that that they're not really that convertible. They're they're best to be converted into a into a basketball stadium. Yeah, because um, the the one of the things that people don't really understand about them is there's no directional focus. Yeah, if you think about most concert venues, when you walk in. You're directed to the stage. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where you look. Whereas like I saw Kid Rock play there back in the day, probably a year, year and a half after he released a, um, his cowboy song. Yeah. I mean, it was a fantastic show, but they literally had to like build like fake curtains to kind of keep the stands for people from wanting to sit behind the, st- the stage right, right. and kind of give you some place to look. Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of an odd. It's just an odd shape. And mm-hmm. like, I went and saw Bob Dylan there. Um, I think probably really. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Maybe, maybe a year before you and I met, or maybe the year. Actually, it could have been even the year you and I met. Huh. And um, he was on there. I can't remember the album he was promoting, but it, you know, I like Bob Dylan a lot. And uh, it's interesting that that didn't come up on on uh, Sounds Like Liberty. You guys, can, <laughs> you guys can look that up and and hear what the music I like. But I do like oh, Bob Dylan. Oh, if if the Sounds Like Liberty guys are listening. Reach out to Jacob. I would yeah. love to do the show too. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I will message them just to remind yeah. them that you're available. But uh, I went and saw him, and it was sort of the same thing. They had to put like they had to put like weird background curtains up to make sure that that you were on one side, and then even they blocked off that part of you know how you can like walk that circle. You you've come to an Admirals game with me mm-hmm. uh, a couple I, of times. I loved going to those. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun, and you you walk that circle during intermission or during not intermission, but during the period breaks, and um, and get a beer or get you know fries or whatever you want to get, mm-hmm. and. 
but terrible during, food for you. The delicious. <laughs> it is delicious, but yeah, it is terrible for you. But they block off always the side where you can try to enter behind the stage. And so mm-hmm. it ends up kind of interrupting the flow. So it, it's kind of weird. Now they've done a better job of it. I think here, like here in Dallas, I live down the street from American Airlines Stadium. Which is really, really a really cool building. Um, but they do the Mavericks games and they do the Dallas Stars games there. And then they also do a lot of concerts and things like that. And they do mm-hmm. the way that it's set up. I think they probably kept that in mind where they were like, yeah, it's, it's strange to set it up this way. So it's very, very, very vertical. And with, when they cut off a portion of the stadium, it doesn't interrupt the flow of the outside portion of the stadium because they can just they can lock the doors and block them with like little cages, mm-hmm. and so you can still walk all the way around and not have to worry about trying people trying to get into the wrong doors because it's like a cage is down and um, and it kind of makes that flow work better. And then because it's a very very vertical stadium, all of the seats have a very good view, even though the ones that are high up are further further away technically but uh, mm-hmm. it's still a very good view there's nothing obstructed so it's, it's really it's it's interesting but you know kind of going back a long time ago with you and me probably a year or so ago you and i talked about another publicly funded stadium not a privately funded stadium in mm-hmm. sacramento the mm-hmm. the new uh golden one center which i don't remember the numbers exactly but it was this is kind of to your point that they they're usually partially publicly funded or majority publicly funded and then partially privately funded. And the private, mm-hmm. the private funding usually comes from somebody who is looking for advertisement. Um, and the golden one center is in conjunction with a number of other, uh, inner city rejuvenation projects in Sacramento. And all of which are funded by golden one bank or golden one credit union. And, mm-hmm. uh, which is a California bank. It's fairly large. And they uh, funded this in conjunction with Sacramento, and I think that Sacramento is paying something like uh, two hundred fifty-five million, and then the Kings are contributing like seventy-three million, and then the bank is contributing something like uh, fifty-eight million. Mm-hmm. So basically, the majority is going to be funded by the state, whether yeah. whether or not you can, or or maybe the city, whether or not you can actually go to those games or you care to go to those games. I, I like the Sacramento Kings, so when they come here to play the Mavericks, I want to go see them. But mm-hmm. um, whether or not you care about that NBA team, you're still going to have to pay for that as a resident of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And and very likely, if it's in California, or really most of the United States at this point, very likely it's going to be funded by some sort of inflationary loan or debt, some sort of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, just, it's, it's very interesting to see that somebody is trying to do it privately. And I, and I wonder if... I wonder if it's a it's a principled stance or if it is. Uh, oh there no! Was just too no many... he, before he, the reason mm-hmm. the St. Louis moved because it used to be the St. Louis Rams uh-huh. um, moved to Los Angeles was they couldn't get the city of St. Louis to pay for the stadium. So just so people know, most of the reason that you lose a professional a professional team to another city is the fact that the the hosting municipality wouldn't pay for the playing venue that the the state the team uses. Okay. That's the reason they move most of the time. Now there are some that go defunct and and then, you know, you purchase the rights to be the Houston Oilers or, you know, something like that. But yeah, most of the time they move because the 
the other people wouldn't pay for the mm-hmm. right to fund a billion dollar stadium or something yeah, like I mean, that. Yeah, they, they, they can be, I mean, even this, a smaller basketball stadium in Sacramento ends up, I think the total was almost half a billion dollars. It was, uh, for mm-hmm. 391 million. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of insane, but and not kind of, yeah, there's, well, there's it no is, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it is, it, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, but I like, think that's it, probably a good place to wrap it up. Because yeah, we I are think running, so as well. We're running a little bit low on time since we started a little bit late. So, yeah. uh, do we want to do the plugs one more time, Mason? Yeah. So, um, I will plug the, our two, uh, favorite, uh, podcasts that are at our level. Take that guys. Uh, <laughs> the fags, friends against government, bird artist in uh card camp it. Um, hopefully, I will be able to enact my plan to have Card on the show where we will uh, try his uh, specialty drink. Yep. Um, and then um, Sounds Like Liberty, you know, those those guys had Jacob on, uh, Nikki P and his li- wife Lizzie. Um, you know, the, both of them are like us where, you know, the guys on uh, Sounds Like Liberty, well, or not Sounds Like Liberty, but uh, Friends Against Government, they, they are definitely – libertarian anarchists they they have a huge focus on that but they're into the fun culture so i will quote two podcasts that i don't know if jacob ever listens to last podcast on the left mm-hmm. or um uh sophie king podcast both of those are they they have a topic most of the time and those topics usually end up being serial killers or just weird terrible events that happened in the past but they kind of like the fags they have like a theme and most of the time you know they somehow tie it to liberty which is always wonderful and sounds like liberty is purely purely awesome music stuff and uh wonderful liberty in between there <laughs> and uh how can people pay attention to us, Jacob? Well, they can check us out on Twitter at Tasting Anarchy. Um, you can also, if you'd like to email me directly, I, I do keep an eye on the email and it is tastinganarchy at gmail.com. You can also go ahead and check out our website, tastinganarchy.com. Uh, uh-huh. Mason and I have committed now to trying to figure out the show posts so that they will automatically go there by the end of February. Mm-hmm. So look forward to being able to check out the show there and the show notes. Now I'll, I will throw one request for fan interaction. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, two. Excuse me. Whatever platform you listen to us on, we know there's got to be something like you know half a dozen of you guys out there. Um, rate and review if you can. You know, give us no stars, but a wonderful rating or a wonderful rating and no review. But that helps us, you know, be seen, be seen and talk too. But um, oh goodness me. Um, oh, so Jacob and I have a uh, an idea. Do we need a Facebook page for the show? Oh, that's yeah. Or would a would a Reddit group or a Reddit sub thread sub yeah thread be more more appropriate and like to your guys' liking? You know, best way to tell us Twitter, as Jacob said, tasting anarchy on Twitter or tasting anarchy at gmail.com. Let us know, guys. All right, so I think that covers it. Um, from me at Tasting Anarchy, stay free. I will say stay free as well. All right, take it easy, guys. Have a good one, guys. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that ball to me. If you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. 
All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, throw the yodi, drink wine. Wine, throw the yodi, drink wine. Wine, throw the yodi, drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton Sherry. Wine,